This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Bemidji native Randy Clausen was a coach and teacher for a number of years in Elk River, but he's retired, he's back in Bemidji, and now he's a full-time guy. We meet Randy next. I got my fishing pool keys, tackle box in my hand, gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand. Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man, but the wife, she just don't understand. I love walleye, perch, trout, and bass, and if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back. Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me when I'm fishing for Bunyan Country. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu Hi, this is Toby Kavalibog of Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Welcome to Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. Well, making his debut on the show today is Randy Clausen. Randy is a longtime angler. And Randy, you actually uh, are from Bemidji, went away for a while to teach and coach, and uh, have, have come back to Bemidji, right? Yes, yes I have. Uh, I graduated from Bemidji High School and VSU way back in the day. We don't have to say when that was, but... Uh, then went and uh, taught and coached at Elk River High School for 36 years and retired a couple of years ago and uh, moved back to Bemidji. And now I'm looking to, to uh, embark on a new adventure. Okay, a new adventure. But you're, you know, you fall into the same uh, kind of realm as the, as the Travis Peterson as a, a coach and a coach angler. Yeah, well, I guess it combines a couple of passions. You know, I, I really enjoyed uh, teaching and coaching was a perfect career for me. Um, the only thing it didn't allow me to do is be on the water a lot, which was my other passion. And so uh, this is a great way to combine all of that together. So, Randy, um, when did you get into fishing? Did you grow up on the water? Yeah, I really did. I um, have to give my grandfather credit for that. Uh, had a cabin uh when you mentioned Travis Peterson, well, he had a cabin on Long Lake uh, and then a summer home there. And so uh, I was one of those kids that probably had about the age of three or four, uh, put a rod in my hand, walked out to the dock, and then had a series of docks in that north end of Long Lake where I would fish all the way down and try to get back in time for lunch uh, with my grandmother. And then I'd take off and do the same thing again. <laughs> and so you grew up fishing, uh, did you, and you said you didn't get a lot of time in the water, but I'm assuming you found a way to get some fishing in over the course of the years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I was still, it, it was a passion. I was something I loved to do. And uh, about 15 years ago, I got into starting to fish more in tournaments. And uh, even though I was still living uh, down in the Elk River area, um, I still was fishing some walleye tournaments and doing that. And uh, still would come back to Bemidji every summer. And then really about 12 years ago, um, I joined, the, at that time, the 71 Bar was here, and they had the 71 Bar Thursday Night League. So started fishing uh, Walleye League in, in Bemidji 12 years ago, and, uh, you know, that's like 14 or 15 weeks. So I pretty well was up here most of the summer, and uh, it really allowed me to fish a lot of the area lakes and really get to know them. And so uh, that just kind of built into where, where we're at today. 
And uh, from there, you, you retired, you came back here, you fished some more, and then you decided, let's do this guide thing. Well, yeah, you know, I've, I've been, if you want to say dabbling in it for a while, okay. um, there's an organization I work for um, or volunteer with. It's called Legacy Fishing Retreats. And uh, I started guiding for them about 11 years ago. And uh, they, have a, they have one retreat here every summer on Gull Lake at Pike Point Resort. And that's a family retreat. And so basically, donate your time for three days and just take people out fishing. And uh, um, I've guided other places for for or with them. Um, Chamberlain, South Dakota. We had a retreat out there that I went to. Uh, Lac La Parle, uh, Leech Lake, Lake of the Woods. So I've kind of been all around helping them out. And uh, it's a faith-based organization. I really believe in uh, in their message and what they're trying to do. And uh, they're really active working with Adult and Teen Challenge graduates. Oh, okay. And so uh, kind of an outreach to that that ministry, too. Okay. I love Teen Challenge, Adult and Teen Challenge. It's a great, great organization for sure. In fact, do they not have a big fishing tournament on Gull Lake to help them? I believe they do. Yes, they do. It happens to be the same weekend as the Leech Lake Walleye uh, tournament. So uh, uh, I'm kind of busy that weekend. <laughs> so you're fishing the leech? Yes. Who are you fishing with? Uh, I fish with Andy Fisher. Okay. And uh, we fished it last year. Didn't do as well as we wanted. And uh, had fished a couple of years before with another gentleman that lives in the in the Walker area. Okay. So that's uh, so. Then you you dabbled in it, and then you decided now if this is going to be kind of my second career. Yeah, um, you know, and I in the last few years I've had guides in the area that have sometimes they're you get overbooked and you can't you know you, you need somebody to help out. So um, so I've been kind of gifted some guide trips if you want to think of it that way, and uh, and been able to do that. And so it's something that that. You know, I, I'm really competitive. I love the tournament fishing and league fishing and all that. Um, but I also just love being in the boat. And, and, you know, it's funny to say, but some of my favorite memories the last few years is when I've been taking other people out fishing and not even worrying about catching anything myself, but seeing them have that smile on their face for maybe catching a walleye for the first time or their biggest fish or just, just having something on the end of the line. So there's, uh, there's great enjoyment in that. And I, I really like doing that. One of the things that, that I have noted, I mean, I have a lot of people who, who come on this show and uh, love talking to all of them, but it seems like there's an awful lot of people like you that are or were teachers and coaches that, that are also fishing guys. Now, that makes sense. A lot of, you know, the summertime is off. You can do that. But there's something, you know, when you're, when you're a guy, you're also a teacher, and, I, and it just seems to work well together. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just a natural combination of those couple different skill sets there. And uh, it is. It's 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 having – I don't know if you want to necessarily say the patience. For, patience is part of it, but also just the desire um, and the gratification that you get in seeing somebody uh, learn a tech, new technique, um, maybe figure out how to use their electronics a little bit better, uh, just, just to experience things on the water that um, – the way I look at it, it can really shorten their learning curve. And, uh, you know, the people that have reached out to me a lot of times are people coming to the Bemidji area that are maybe going to be here for a week. And um, they just want to go out that first day and kind of learn the lake and see what's going on. And uh, just to kind of give them a better chance of being successful. If we want to measure success, just catching fish. And we know that it's, it's much more involved than just that. It definitely is. That I mean, it's, it's just one of the great activities of living here is just being on the water. Um, there's just something unique about it. Yeah. And I, I know for me, this is a weird one, but if you've been in a boat a lot, you'd know what, you know what I'm probably talking about. But I think one of the coolest sensations is getting in your boat, 
taking across, going across the water and just feeling that, that wind coming off the water just in your face and just, it just makes you feel, I don't know, for me, it makes me feel alive. <laughs> All right. So tell me a little bit about uh, your background and what you like to fish for. Well, I would say I'm, you know, I, I'm a walleye guy. Um, that's the easiest way to put it. That's, uh, you know, the tournaments that I fish and the leagues I fish in. That's what I, what I like to pursue. Um, I'm not going to just limit myself to that when I'm, when I'm guiding. Um, because, you know, I've, the even people I've taken out before, some of them just, they just want to catch a fish, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. And so, um, I'd say I'm, I'm equipped to handle just about everything, but I'm not a musky guide. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the musky equipment. Um, I could drive you around the boat and let you cast to your, to your heart's content, but, um, I would not be the guy you'd probably want to call to go musky fishing. I would say that in the world of guides, you're either a musky guide or you're not. There's very few people that uh, say, I do this, 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 and muskies. Right, right. That's that's uh, pulling yourself a little bit too thin, I think. <laughs> well, um, fishing, of course, is is a lot of fun. You obviously enjoy it. Um, when you um, when you when you get calls, what are people asking for most of the time? Well, you know that's a good question because I haven't got a lot of calls yet. Okay. So what I'm what I'm finding, and I'm getting some, but what I'm finding is um, just for a new business trying to get trying to get established it's how do you make people aware of of the service that you're providing and uh um and so i've been i've been relying a lot on uh, a facebook business page that i have and i've created a website um going through those trying to i've joined the chamber i think that's a great great source here to be a part of the chamber of commerce from bemidji um uh, been able to meet some people through that and uh just getting ideas of, of how to really market your business and um, I'm trying to develop more relationships with local um, the resort owners and hotels and things like that so that uh, um, when people come here, you know, and they're looking for uh, for a guide, that they'll be aware of the fact that I'm somebody who is providing that service. And what is the name of your guide service? Oh, it's a really creative name. It's called Bemidji Area Guide Service. <laughs> And it goes along well with my website, which is BemidjiGuide.com. Okay. Bemidji Area Guide Service at BemidjiGuide.com. So what has been the biggest surprise to you or the biggest challenge that you didn't expect putting this together? Well, I would say... I would say the you know the technology aspect of it you know and I it what, what's interesting to me is that I was a high school business teacher and so I taught entrepreneurship and I taught accounting and I and I taught marketing and I taught all these classes and I would have kids all the time ask me why don't you why don't you own a business and I'm like well I'm a teacher and a coach you know that's yeah. what I'm doing and so now it'd be fun to have some of those students come back and say oh now you're actually applying <laughs> some of these things that you were teaching us and so. Yeah. Um, so that that's a, a fun part, and, and like I said, just a ch the challenge of understanding how to best reach people, you know, through social media. Um, because I'm not a TikTok guy, I'm not a Twitter guy, um, and so you know, maybe those are areas that I have to expand into a little bit more. Um, but it's understanding that, and 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 I will say one of the greatest joys of what I've done so far is the fact that. Um, I have a daughter who's a graphic designer, and uh, uh, so you know, paying, helping her to go 
go to school and get the degree, I'm finally getting a little bit of a payback <laughs> in that uh, she's designed a logo for, for the business. And so okay. that's that's pretty cool. I've been following you on Facebook, so I know you got a brand new boat you're pretty excited about. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm itching to get it out on the water. Everybody's um, itching to get boats on the water. Be, in fact, before coming right here, I was just driving down to Lake Irving again to take a look at the access, and it's all ready to roll. Uh, I'm hoping the dock gets put in there pretty quick. But, uh, um, but yeah, I was able to, to, to buy a new boat through through Ray's Sport and Marine here in Bemidji, and um, I've just really enjoyed working with them in the past. And same now, they do a they do just a tremendous job, and um, really happy with the whole process and how the boat is rigged. And I'm ready to get in the water or get on the water. Do you have a lake you would consider your specialty, or are you pretty well versed in all the lakes up in this neck of the woods? You know, I think I'm pretty well versed. Um, I think the people that have reached out to me first um, have have had the best, most interest in either fishing Bemidji or Cass. Um, kind of the bigger drawing cards here. And the thing is, I, I think through fishing all these leagues and being on the water all the time, I'm really, hopefully I'm pretty dialed in on where a good bite is, um, where it's taking place. And so that, you know, if somebody's coming and they're going to stay at, at Coles and they want to fish turtle, that's where we're going to fish. I'm going to help them learn that lake and go. But if somebody is just, you know, maybe they're staying at the, at the Hampton and they're just like, hey, we just want to fish somewhere in the area, you know, and uh, where they're not dependent upon learning a lake, but just more. And so I think that's one of the things that I offer is the flexibility of being able to, to go where I really think they're going to have the best experience. Well, um, I know you've been out checking out the ice and everything, and uh, I heard Irving is open. I haven't actually seen it with my own eyes yet. I haven't been that far. But what what are you seeing besides Irving? Yeah, um, you know, none of the other lakes that I've gone to, the bigger lakes, were, were actually open. Um, but uh, the ice is really pulling back from the shoreline as well. Um, the, the ice looks like it's starting to get broke up pretty good um, in some places. Bemidji, the south end, is pretty open right now today, um, even with the wind that we have blowing um, the way it is. But uh, I'm really optimistic that that I'm not worried about there being ice on the lakes for opener. You know, we're gonna we're gonna be out there and we're gonna be fishing. Well, I tell you, even a week ago, I was wondering, and then all of a sudden, like, the wind picked up and the ice got dark and things look a lot better this week than they did a week ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huge improvement. We have a lot more to cover with Randy Clausen of Bemidji Area Guide Service next. I'm Mike Frisch of Fishing the Midwest, and I'm proud to help Kev Jackson sound smart on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. I'm Will Pampoos and Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors because Kev Jackson needs all the help he can get. Randy Clausen of Bemidji Area Guide Service is my guest. Randy, you're a walleye guy. Obviously, that's what everybody's going to be doing opening weekend. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, we're going to presume that we're all be able to the water we want to be on. But I, to me, uh, opening weekend's about as easy as it gets. Shallow, chicken minnow. Hard to argue with that pattern. And... Uh, for me, there's a there's a group of guys that um, have been going on opener for well 40 years now, and uh, we open over on on Winnie, and uh, we stay on the on the east side, and so uh, it, it's you know it's just what what you said, you know the jig in the middle, shallow, it's it's kind of the it's a no brainer so to speak, and um, it's really 
I wanted. It's funny to say this is that I never really enjoyed fishing Winnie a lot in the past because I I just don't like that featureless sand flats that are so shallow and those fish are scattered. But tell you what, with uh, the side imaging I'm using and with live scope, it's completely changed that game because now instead of just looking at a vast expanse wondering where the fish are, you truly know where the fish are. Yeah, and um, speaking of minnows, I've been hearing a lot of uh, concern about that. What are you seeing? Well, you know, I just uh, I just stopped yesterday at, at Northwoods Bait and Tackle here in Bemidji, and um, they're very optimistic that that they're going to have shiners for opener. So that's a that's a, a, a good thing to hear. Um, they were saying that Red Lake is, is starting to open up pretty good, and so it seems like a lot of the spot tails that we use are are from Red, and uh, so that's that's if people are worrying about that, check check Northwoods, and uh, I think I think you'll have a good answer. Well, one of the things that, of course, is a huge concern and continues to be a concern is AIS, particularly zebra mussels. They're they're in a lot of lakes now, and, and you've fished a lot of these lakes. Are you noticing big changes, for instance, in Bemidji due to the zebra mussels yet? I would say for me on Bemidji, um, no, not okay. yet. Now, there's other guys that fish Bemidji probably a lot more than I do, and they might give you a little bit different answer. Um, I fish casts a lot. Um, I probably fish casts from the midpoint of the summer on more than any other lake, um, in part because there's a few tournaments out there that I fish, but also it's just a body of water that I enjoy and I enjoy being on. And, um, you know, the you talk about a lake that's clear, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that is. And um, the thing is, is that, you know, you just, you just have to, you have to realize that oftentimes those fish are still shallow. Middle of the day, they're still really shallow. And you just can't fish over them like you could in the past. And so that's where the side imaging and live scope, I think, has really helped, helped with that issue of that clarity is that you can now cast a fish and know that you're on them. And, and those fish aren't as, aren't as willing or, or not as likely to be spooked. And so it's changed how we fish. Um, I would say last year for me, I didn't really fish Bemidji any different. Um, it'll be interesting to see these next, this next year or two to see if that water continues to clear up a little bit more and then, then what we have to change. One of the things I noticed uh, as I was uh, keeping tabs on you on, on Facebook that you're not too much of an ice fishing guy. You're more of a soft water guy. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you'd say that. Um, I always thought when I retired, you know, because being a basketball coach, you don't really have much time to be an ice fisherman. And I, it was something I always really enjoyed doing. And I thought, okay, once I retire, then I'm going to ice fish a lot more. Well, I never went the route of the of the ice castle, the permanent. So I had my portables and my hub and, and all that. And um, these last couple winters fishing, I, I found myself not being an effective ice fisherman because I just wanted to go out, drill two holes, sit there, and hope I got something. And I think to be really, you know, effective at it, you need to be more mobile than that. And uh, I, I decided after last winter, I said, you know what, I think that's it. And so I actually this winter went back and uh, did some substitute teaching at Bemidji, at Bemidji High School. Um, <laughs> and so found my a different use for my time. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm I'm – I'm not much of an ice fisherman either. I'd much rather be in a boat on a on a nice spring day than than you know wind blowing at 50 miles an hour or whatever. Yeah, and I and I and I tell you though, in the past, I, I really did enjoy ice fishing, and mm-hmm. uh, most of it was in, in late ice because once the basketball season was done, that's when I was able to fish a lot more. But uh, you know, there's you know you have. You have those two different groups. You have some people that live and die ice fishing, and they can't wait for first ice. And I, I can't wait till the ice is gone. 
<laughs> so when when you were teaching coaching, I mean, did you did you have in the back of your mind, yeah, maybe someday I'll be a guide, or was that something that just kind of popped up? No, recently? I would say it was there. You know, I had um, because it seemed like I was always the guy with the boat and with friends that maybe didn't have one, and so I was used to taking other people fishing quite a bit. And uh, you know, over the years, I did I did have a lot of times where people were like. You know, you should be a guide. You know, you, do you ever thought about guiding? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, even even if I have the summers off as a as a teacher, you don't have summers off if you're a basketball coach. Yeah. You know, you're still in the gym, you're still doing things, and and uh, so no, it wasn't it wasn't anything that that fit at the time. Um, but once I came back to here, I knew that's what I really wanted to do. And and so here we go. Yes, <laughs> we'll get some info on how we can uh, hire you in in a little bit, uh, but. Um, as you uh, have fished over the years and, and you're looking at where we're at in 2023, I mean, we, we know there's AIS. We discussed that a little bit already. Any concerns for you as uh, as just a, a guy who cares about fishing? You know, not really. Um, you know, I'd say that the AIS is always the big issue. And, and I think people have gotten, you know, a lot better. Um, you know, the problem is it only takes one or two to – not clean their boat properly and do the right thing to infect a new lake. And so, you know, I, I think people worried about, um, and there's still, there's a rightful reason to, to worry about when we have these species introduced that we don't want. Um, but some of them thought that it would, it would make fishing just kind of crash, you know, and I look at it from that perspective and, and, and I haven't seen that, um, you know, it's changed maybe the way that we need to do things a little bit. Um, so that's not a worry or concern. Um, with the live scope technology, people worry about over harvesting. I would say if I had to worry about that at all, it would be more with like crappies because I think they're really susceptible to um, to pressure, especially in the winter. And it's easier for people to find those schools now and really beat on them. Um, I don't worry about it as much, you know, for walleyes and some of the other uh, um, other species. But I think it's really important that we do um, practice, you know, selective harvest. Um, I'm somebody who I, I fish all the time, and I very I love eating fish, but I don't I don't keep very many, you know, myself. Mm-hmm. And and I really try to encourage anybody that's with me is that we need to let you know those larger fish go. And um, and, and I always think it's kind of funny is that you'll have I have friends that come up that don't fish very much, and they want to keep the bigger ones because they want more meat, you know. <laughs> and I go, you know, if you've ever been to a fish fry, and you're somebody that that's that's eaten a lot of fish, I don't ever take the big piece of fish off that platter. I'm looking for those smaller pieces of fish. You know, I think they're the better ones to eat anyways. And so yeah. let's release those bigger fish, the ones that help help the spawn, and uh, just harvest those smaller fish, and they eat just as well. All right, so if people are uh, looking to hire you as a guide, uh, how do they go about doing that? Well, first of all, my phone number, uh, 763-670-6033 would be an easy option. Um, I do have a website. Uh, BemidjiGuide.com, and uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Bemidji Area Guide Service LLC. Um, is way to way to find me. Okay. Now you uh, mentioned the Leech Lake tournament. You're also fishing the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic with uh, Bruce Jean, which is an interesting combination. A former basketball coach and a current basketball referee. I mean, how do you guys get along? <laughs> that's a great. That's a great question. You know, and uh, you know. The interesting thing is we're fishing the tournament together. Bruce and I have never been in a boat together, oh, ever, wow. ever. And so, you know, I was thinking about it, how it's how I've really, 
I've really relied upon him this last year as far as um, as far as getting information about guiding and just a lot of advice. And so, you know, he he gives me advice and I'm really willing to listen to it, you know, because I'm applying it. And I go back to when I was coaching basketball and he was an official for, for the first time. I tried to give him a lot of advice, you know, and he didn't want to listen to it. And so, you know, I, I can't imagine for when we're out here in this tournament, you know, I'm just saying, hey, Bruce, I think maybe we should. And he'll probably do, coach, sit down, shut up. I've heard enough from you. Be quiet. And, uh, you know, no, I can just say that jokingly. But, uh, um, but yeah, we, uh, we worked in the same school district. And, right. uh, you know, I think he told you the story. The first game we ever did of mine was in the state tournament. And, uh um, I didn't know who he was at that time. And so, like I said, I was, I was really, I felt, you know, being a teacher, I really wanted to help officials out and help them do their job a little better. And, uh, but, uh, Bruce was a very good official. And, uh, after, after having him do more and more of my games, I think we, we ended up having a really good relationship and, uh, and, and got along well. It's unfortunate officials don't have more of an open mind. But, you know. <laughs> All we're trying to do is help them out, you know, and they don't always want our advice. But, but one, one serious thing about that, what I found as a coach, is that um, usually when I'd get the most upset at the officials was when my kids were playing poorly. You know, there was a, more of a correlation between that than anything else. Not just the fact that they're making bad calls, but, you know, and they wouldn't say it as a bad call. Maybe they'd see it from a different perspective than I would. Um, but I really learned, I think, as a, as a coach for a longer period of time to kind of tone that down. It became easier on the officials if we want to go that, go that route and just say that. I know that they're there to try to do the best job they can and help, but man, they can do some things that frustrate you at times. <laughs> Well, let's hope that doesn't happen Saturday during the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic in June. Well, that remains to be seen, but, but we're optimistic right now. All right, before we wrap it up, since you're brand new, we we got to let people learn more about you. Are you ready to do a Fast Five? I am. All right. And my goal is to have shorter answers than Bruce had because some of those were, like you said, that was not a Fast Five. No, no. I think I think you're going to – you don't even have to try hard. You'll do that. <laughs> Fast five. Did I stutter? Uh, the first one, dogs or cats? Definitely a dog. I got a I got a four and a half year old yellow lab. His name is Duke, and I'm biased, but he's one of the most amazing dogs in the world. Okay. Question number two. I would typically ask, what's your favorite fish to catch? But I already know that answer. So, what's your number two? And when the walleyes aren't going, what's your what's your fallback? Oof. Um, boy, that's. That's probably a harder question, I think, than you realize. Um, I would say, I would say, probably smallmouth bass. Okay. All right. And question number three: What is your favorite fish to eat? Definitely a walleye. Easy enough. All right. Going back to the early days of your life, first fish you ever caught? You know, I don't, I don't remember. Um, I know the first walleye I caught, my grandfather mounted it for me, so that was kind of cool, but. I'm sure it would have been uh, off of a dock in Long Lake, either a, probably a small little bluegill or a perch or something like that. Yeah, do you, do you any idea how old you would have been at the time? Well, I would say I think I learned to hold a rod right after I learned to walk. So I would I would say within two or three years of age. And question number five, what is the best pizza? Oh, you know, I was hoping you were going to ask that. And I heard your one question about what would your last meal be or something like that. And I was going to say, you know, and I'm not trying to promote this place, but I'm going to. I'd say it's going to be a sausage and mushroom pizza from Dave's. 
You're you're a, you're a Bemidji boy. There's no question about that. All right. Well, believe me, we've got many more questions to, to grill you with as we go along the, in, in the next time you're in the show. But that is your first Fast Five, and you did it in about one-eighth of the time that uh, Bruce G. would have done it. There you go. I made my goal. That's good. <laughs> right. Randy Clausen, one more time. If people want to use your brand-new guide service, how do they go about doing that? Uh, phone call or text 763-670-6033. Uh, the website is BemidjiGuide.com, and Facebook is Bemidji Area Guide Service, LLC. All right, Bemidji Area Guide Service uh, Chief Executive Officer, Randy Clausen. Randy, thanks for being here. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Kevin. It was a lot of fun. Well, Alice Cooper was here in Bemidji proclaiming schools out, but for us, schools in. The professor has returned, Dr. Andrew Hafes. Aquatic biologist from Bemidji State University is back in for another year. Hi, this is Nate Blazing of the Nisla Guide League, and I'm doing my best to keep Kevin Jackson from embarrassing himself. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. I'm Bruce Jean, and this is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Ask the aquatic biologist. Well, it is time to once again ask the aquatic biologist. Uh, we didn't really take last year off. It kind of got away from me. That was on me. But uh, Dr. Andrew Hapes from Bemidji State is back. Andy, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I was missing you last year. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> I've got all kinds of questions for you again this year. And now, actually, many of these came from your students, and uh, I just kind of maybe adjusted them a little bit. But the first one we're going to get into is a kind of a dark topic. Uh, it's about the Hannibal Lecters of the fishing world. <laughs> uh, fish, apparently, uh, some of them eat their own. So the question was, what is the biggest factor that leads to cannibalism among some species? I think uh, one of the really big things is whether or not the fish species itself focuses on fish. Like if you have suckers or something else, you know, maybe that doesn't eat as many fish for their diet, that probably is less of an issue, right? Whereas okay. if you have something like maybe a, a northern pike or uh, some other species that is, you know, likes to feed on fish for prey, I think oftentimes they will fit anything in their mouth that they can and um, then there's that risk. So that's probably the biggest factor is just whether or not the fish species itself actually focuses on prey that are fish. Okay. So basically they'll, I mean, would they choose other fish or they just choose whatever falls in front of their face? Well, it, it it's very interesting. It's like how much, it's not necessarily that they make these decisions, but how much energy is it going to take? How much risk is there involved in, in capturing it? Like, when uh, my past graduate student Camden Glade was out there sampling fish and electrofishing at night for you know muskies and walleyes and northern pike, he would frequently see those species swimming together, and particularly the walleye. Right, like 
they have these large spines. They're difficult to consume and uh, they're fast and they can see well at night. And so that in that circumstance, it's probably pretty risky or, or uh, pretty tricky for another fish to try to eat it. Whereas mm-hmm. other ones, uh, you know, maybe they just so – it's just cost-benefit. Like how much effort is it going to take? And they learn that really quick out there in the environment, I think, from trial and error. Um, and they're just trying to maximize their food that they get uh, with as little effort as possible <laughs> and as little risk as possible, right? So so basically if they're into uh, preying on other fish to begin with uh, and – They'll just be more likely to just go after their own if that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, if they're in, I mean, we see yellow perch that are adults that have lots of baby yellow perch in their stomachs all the time. Like, um, we know the same thing happens with northern pike. You know, it, there are a lot of species that do that. There's just a lot of opportunities for them to encounter their own individuals, their own young, mm-hmm. and, you know, they'll eat them, you know? <laughs> so. so they're just. They just don't have a conscience. They just they just want to eat. They just want to survive. Yeah. yeah, and I think the situations in nature really have driven them towards doing it or not. And mm-hmm. that that pressure, in my opinion, is so intense that sometimes it's there are certain species that have evolved to have huge migrations, right, and then reproduce in that location. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that ecologists think that happened is to kind of separate the young from the adults, so that cannibalism doesn't happen. So what fish don't typically eat fish or other? I mean their own? Yeah. Um, I mean you, you mentioned that some fish that are more likely to be prey fish are going to do this. Well, what, what fish are not prey fish? Let's put it that way. I think that's a tough, tough question. So if, if I think for the people around this listening area, a good example would be muskie. I think muskie will eat other muskie. It's just that there's not very many muskies out there. And so mm-hmm. when we sampled the stomach contents of muskellunge in our most recent studies, there weren't a lot of muskellunge in their own stomachs. Okay. It's much more frequent to find a yellow perch that has a yellow perch in its stomach or a northern pike that has a uh, a northern pike or even a muskie that has those other two. Sure. Right? So just the numbers, it's a numbers game out there. Uh, you know, so they're encountering an individual will encounter other prey more frequently. So that's one example. I mean, I think if you put a baby muskie in front of a big muskie and it makes a mistake, it's going to eat it. <laughs> we just don't see it very often, right? Right. So basically, the bigger you are, the better shot you have of not being somebody's dinner. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, I think fish can only eat something that is like 30% their length. Right? Okay. And you can go on the internet and find pictures of fish that are dead that have all their fish in their mouth stuck, right? <laughs> yeah. Try to take too big of a bite. So, yeah, size is a huge limitation. All right, Andy's back, and he's talking cannibalism in the fish <laughs> world today. Anything else on that topic that you can think of? Oh, yeah, we could talk about that one all day. That's a really cool question. So, Okay. Yeah. Andy Hayes is an aquatic biologist at Bemidji State University. Andy, thanks for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Just a reminder, we got a ton of great stuff coming up this week on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. We got Tony Roach coming in. We've got Mandy Yurick. We've got Toby Kavalivag. We've got last year's Knights Columbus Walleye Classic Champs, Jace Peterson and Charlie Peterson. They'll talk about that and opening weekend as well. We got a Lake of the Week. And of course, down the road, we've got all kinds of spotlights on the big lakes of Paul Bunyan Country, too. A lot of great stuff to come. If you miss an episode, you know you can always find it on the podcast. Just go to kb101fm.com or kbunsportsradio.com. 
Click on podcast, click on Paul Bunyan Country, and you can listen to any missed episode. Or you can subscribe to the podcast, and it'll be there for you whenever you have time to listen to it. That's it for today. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks to my guests, Randy Clausen and Dr. Andrew Hafes. And thank you for spending some time with us. Paul Bunyan Country.